Anyway, good morning, everyone. Um, so uh, today we're going to be uh, finishing up the book of Hebrews, I believe. And um, before we, we don't have the, power, power, the PowerPoint up yet, but um, I'm just going to go ahead and start. And before we start, let's just pray. Lord, we come before you because we are grateful that we can come before you, Lord. It is only through your blood, Jesus, that we can come to the Father. Help us to remember that. And we are grateful that you have given your word to reveal yourself to us, Lord. Apart from your word and your spirit, we would not know you. But yet the great God that created the heavens of the earth, the God that is constantly pouring out himself for us, has chosen to reveal himself to us. Help us to be grateful for that. And Lord, as we dive into your word, I pray that you may reveal yourself more to us. Help us to know you more. Lord, we surrender our hearts to your word and we ask that we be transformed to be more like you, Jesus. And also empower us to be your ambassadors in this world, Lord. Encourage us if we need encouragement, Lord. Correct us if we need correction. Uh, build us up where we need to be built up. And help us to be more like you, Lord. Help us to see and to understand who you are, your love for us. And just help us, like I said, to be built up in you. We ask you this in your name, Jesus. Amen. 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 So the title of this message is sacrifices that please God. So one of the things that I, when I, when I came to the Lord, um, I was a very rebellious person. Very rebellious. I mean, it was, you know, I, I came to the Lord when I was 18, but at the age of about 12, I just started doing everything that was the opposite from what my parents wanted from me. And uh, so I was, I don't know if you guys know this, but I was a, I was a karate phenom at a, as, as, a young, as a young person. Seriously, so my brother and I were at, at a, a really good karate school in, in Manhattan. Uh, like a, I mean, the, the, this guy was a master in in in, uh, in karate in, uh, from Japan, and my nickname was the Killer. So kids didn't want to fight me, parents didn't let their kids fight me, you know. And anyway, so so I, I won trophies and stuff. My brother and I were the best. Um, but at one point, I just started to reject everything that my father wanted from me. And it was very foolish. But anyway, I went from, from, from a heart that didn't want to please anybody, now giving my life to Christ and saying, okay, I live for something else now. How do I live my life that pleases God? And, and there had to be a rewiring of my brain in order for me to do that. All of a sudden, when I saw things a certain way, all of a sudden, when I saw the Word of God conflict with the way that I saw things, I had to decide whether I was going to do me or do Jesus. That, that's, that's, that new hashtag, you know, people say do me, let's do Jesus. Right? Let's put that out. I like that one. And if I forget, because I have a bad memory, remind me of this, so I can hashtag it. Anyway. So anyway, so, so when we talk about pleasing God, we understand that there's a sacrifice there. We understand that it's not always what we want to do but do we trust God that his ways are perfect and if we want if we trust him that his ways are perfect then we will surrender to live our lives in the way that he tells us Amen. so sacrifices that please the Lord Um, so I'm luckily we're going to be on two two verses here in Hebrews 12 uh, 13 excuse me Hebrews 13 verse 15 and 16. And uh, verse 15 says, Through him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have. For such sacrifices are pleasing to God. So the Westminster Shorter Catechism poses this question. And for anyone who's not uh, familiar with catechisms, catechisms are used and designed for family discipleship. And they teach doctrine 
uh, through through asking questions. Alright, just to make sure we're on the same I was gonna say the same page, but that's on the same slide. Alright. Alright. You like that, Michael? Okay. Alright, let's go. Yeah, so so yeah, the, so the Westminster Catechism poses this question. It says, What is the chief end of man? And it answers it by saying, Man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. John Piper in the book Desiring God tweaks the statement a little bit and he says that man's chief end is to glorify God by enjoying him forever. So the only way that we can truly glorify God is by enjoying him. If we are Christians that are joyless and gloomy and look like we've been baptized in pickle juice, then we're not a good advertisement of what the goodness of God looks like. Amen? So what does it mean to glorify God? I stumbled upon this, de- this definition on, on the website, I got questions uh, a couple of days ago, and it says, to acknowledge his greatness and give him honor by praising and worshiping him. Primarily because he and he alone deserves to be praised, honored, and worshipped. First Chronicles... First Chronicles 16.28 says, Ascribe to the Lord, O families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due to his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. So these verses talk about us ascribing or giving glory because he is worthy. The word worship means to ascribe worth. So when we, worth, when we worship him, that's what we're doing. We're saying that he is worthy. So, that, so we're saying that nothing else deserves the worship that he deserves. And also it says here that as a response, we are to bring an offering as a part of our worship that glorifies him. And our offering to him is ourselves. It's our obedience. It's our agreement that God is good, that God is right, and we surrender all that we are to him. So if we want to live up to our chief purpose, and we want to live up to the reason why God has created us, we must glorify him by enjoying him forever. So that this joy is an overflow, and it continues on in continual praise to God. The great commandment says uh, to love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second one is to love your neighbor as yourself. As we glorify God and worship him, both with the fruit of our lips and also with sharing with others, we bring glory to his name. And these are sacrifices. We are putting God before ourselves and we are putting others before ourselves. And we glorify God uh, by the joy that is, like I said, an overflow of praise and love to our God. So the big idea today is that Christians please God by offering sacrifices of praise and good deeds through Christ. In the Old Testament, worship took place in the, in the tabernacle, and the Jews would bring their offering to the priest, and the priest would sacrifice this, uh, this animal uh, for, in, for, on behalf of the Jew for their worship. So they came and they brought something. A lot of times we come into worship and we think, oh, you know, worship was good today, I gained something. Yes, God reciprocates, but worship is not about us. Worship is about him. So if someone came in the Old Testament and they brought a bull, they would lose like 10 years worth of wages. They came and they didn't just bring a three-legged cow that didn't mean anything. They brought their best. And it's the same with us. We bring a sacrifice of praise to the Lord. And, and the, the, the truth is that, that God did not want only the, the external sacrifice. If you read the scriptures all over the place, he's talking about the heart, the heart of worship that causes us to have the, to, to, to give this external sacrifice. And this is obvious in the Psalms if you read them. And it's also obvious in the book of Hebrews that God is not looking for external stuff. He is looking for something that's internal, and then it produces an external uh, response. So the sacrifices of the Old Testament are not valid, not valid anymore. Why? Because of Jesus. Christians no longer have to go um, sacrifice animals, thank God, because it will be kind of bloody over here. 
But Jesus' sacrifice was the final and the complete sacrifice that paid for our sins. And we still bring sacrifices to God, but they are not for forgiveness because we are eternally forgiven. They are also not limited to a temple, and they are not limited by time, but they are continual. Our sacrifices are offerings of thanksgiving and praise and good deeds. So the Christian life is lived. The Christian life is lived only through Christ. Ultimately, the only sacrifice that really pleases God is us surrendering our life to God. Through Jesus' sacrifice, that's why now our sacrifice actually means something to God. We can never please God on our own. There's nothing that we can ever do that's going to be pleasing to God unless we come through Christ. We please God through Jesus' finished work on the cross. So that's one thing that we have to establish. Because everything that's external that we talk about, it has to start from from something that's inside. And it has to start through Jesus. Because only through the blood of Jesus do we have peace with God. The Bible says we're children of wrath. Only through the blood of Jesus are we accepted by God. Only through the blood of Jesus are we forgiven. Only through the blood of Jesus can we approach a holy God. And anything that we do apart from Christ, according to the Bible, is filthy rags. Our good deeds, apart from Christ, are filthy rags. So now, through Christ, everything we do is as a response to what he's done for us. Come on, that's that's so our worship, I mean, it's great that we sing some songs, but that's not exactly what worship is. This is the expression of worship. Our worship is a response to all that he's done. Because of who he is and all he's done, we ascribe him worth. We recognize that he is worth everything. Yeah. And because of that, and, and not we don't, we don't do things to try to earn his favor or forgiveness. Yeah. We do it because we have it. So now, what is the fitting response? And I feel like I can just read Romans 12, 1, like 10 times throughout this whole message, but I'm going to speak about it later. But our response to what he's done, his mercy, his grace, and love, is to surrender our lives and to live to glorify him. Amen? So the whole Mosaic Covenant, the whole sacrificial system in the Old Testament taught us how a sinner can approach a holy God. And it is through a sacrifice. Uh, sacrifice because we are sinners, and these animals were sacrificed on our behalf. And we spoke about that a couple of uh, month, a couple of weeks ago. But that sacrifice only covered our sins, and all of these sacrifices in the Old Testament all point to one great sacrifice, and that is the sacrifice of the sinless Son of God that came to give His life for us as sinners. Right. Amen. Yeah. Again, the purpose of Hebrews is to show that Jesus is better. That Jesus is better than Moses, better than the angels, better than the tabernacle, better than than the the old covenant, better than the sacrifices, and that he is ultimately the fulfillment of everything in the Old Testament. So why would anybody want to go back? Our sacrifices of praise go through Christ. Our worship goes through Christ. Our access before the presence of God is only through Christ. Jesus says that he is the way, that he is the truth, and he is the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. So if anyone does not have Christ, then they don't have access to God. Isaiah Isaiah 59, verse 2 says, But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. But we know that Hebrews 10, okay, Hebrews 10, 19 says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, and in 22 it goes, it says, Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. So when we were once separated by God, uh, from God by our sins, Now Jesus took the penalty of our sins and has cleansed us of all our sins. And now we have access to a holy God. Christ is the single sacrifice that uh, completed and fulfilled the whole sacrificial system. And now we continue uh, to continually offer animals would be saying that what Jesus did was not enough. And for us to continually want to give God something, trying 
trying to earn his salvation, we're saying that what Jesus did was not enough. But we know that what Jesus did was, was enough. And we get to uh, read my favorite verse here, which I mentioned, to, or mentioned earlier. Ro- Romans 12, 1, it says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. So another translation says, in view of God's mercy. So in other words, as we think about the mercy of God, it says to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. In other words, our response to all that Jesus did for us is, is that our sacrifices now are to sacrifice ourselves for the glory of God. We die to ourselves every day to glorify Jesus. The sacrifice of praise and good deeds that we're going to be speaking about are our offering through Jesus. And without the sacrifice of Jesus, we cannot even come before the Lord. Amen? So, uh, the blood has cleansed of our sins. And, and in, in, the, in the Old Testament, when Jesus, uh, when Jesus died, we know that the veil was torn, which signifies that through Christ, now we have access to the Holy God. So, the Christian life is lived only through Christ. So, I might have said that a million times, but I just want to drill that home. Because every time we look at something that's external, we always have to start with, with what's inside. So, oh man, I'm sorry guys. Weekend is dark. I don't know. Anyway. So, we are to continually offer God a sacrifice of praise through Christ. Before we look at what the sacrifice of praise is, let us define what praise is. Amen? Praise is not difficult to understand. We praise our children. We praise our dogs. We praise our co-workers. We praise our, our husbands and wives. We praise our favorite athletes. We praise our favorite sports teams. But above that, praise is something that we direct or express to God. The, the definition of the word praise is to commend, to applaud, to express approval of or admiration of, to extol in words or in song, to magnify, to glorify. And these are all words that we read in the book of Psalms. So speaking of praise, uh, there are just under 10 Hebrew words just in the book of Psalms that are translated to the word praise in English. And all of these words, I, I can sit here and read all the definitions to you, but to sum them up, they all words that mean to give thanks. To bless, to exclaim, to shout, to extol. And just in case anybody doesn't know what that means, it means to praise enthusiastically. To lift high. It means a song of praise or to play instruments. Or my personal favorite is the word halal, where we get hallelujah. Halal means to shine, to boast, to celebrate extravagantly, and to act clamorously foolish. And the word hallelujah means halal to Yah, which is the name of God, Yahweh. So, halal to you. So, does this describe our praise services? No, but this is what the Bible says praise is. So, praise can be bidirectional. We can praise God vertically, which means that we praise Him directly. Or we can praise God by talking about Him. So, even this morning as we sang a couple of songs, uh, how great is your love? Vertical or horizontal? Vertical, right? Or we said, uh, great are you, Lord. Vertical or horizontal? Vertical, right? And then we also said, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name forever. Is that that's, that's horizontal. That's us speaking about the Lord. And yet not I, but through Christ in me. Again, horizontal. So we can praise him straight up to him, or we can praise him by, by speaking about him. But one thing that we see here, that praise is extroverted in nature. Praise is not praise until it's expressed. So it it stirs up when we start thinking about and meditate how great and amazing God is. But it is not praise until it's expressed. Does that make sense? Right? So um, C.S. Lewis, when speaking about praise, So C.S. Lewis said, I think we delight to praise 
what we enjoy because the praise not merely uh, sorry I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses but completes the enjoyment it is its pointed consummation so in other words it's not even about the praise itself it's about the enjoyment that stirs up the praise in other words we find joy when we see something that is praiseworthy and that joy is made complete in our expression of that enjoyment. That's why you might not get an LOL text from me. You might get a ha 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 as I, you know, just chuckle to myself. But if you get an LOL, that means that you said something gloriously funny. And I was literally laughing out loud. You know what I mean? So when, you know, if I hear something funny, I, I you know, ha ha ha. But if you make me LOL, just know that there's maybe five people in the world that have made me laugh like that. But I'm saying, but you know, even when you're watching something on TV, you're like, ha, 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 why? Because when something is stirred up inside of you, it's not fully experienced until you express it. Amen? Amen. So, so the fruit... Yeah. So the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name... Or confess his name in other in other translations are, is basically this: the name of the Lord means his character. So when we say we praise the name of God, well, we're actually praising him. We're praising him for his character. We're praising him and celebrating the character of God as we learn about who God is by observing his actions in the Word, or just reading and seeing what the Word of God declares about him, or as we see what he does in our lives. We get to know who God is. Another great way to grow in our praise and worship of the Lord is to study the names of God. Amen. If you have never done that, I suggest you do that this week. That is a game changer. It helps us to know God even more. There are words like Jehovah Jireh, which means the Lord who sees and provides. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that heals. Jehovah Shammah, the Lord is there. And there are more others like this. So praise is preoccupied with God and what he has done and who he is. It starts, like I said, with meditating on his actions and his character and is fully culminated through expression. Now, I understand that this might be a challenge for some of us. The reality is that some people are not as expressionate as others. This is in our character, right? But at the same time, it's like it's something that's biblical, this expression. So it may look different with everybody. But praise is not praise until it's expressed. That's it. Also, another hindrance is sometimes people's church background. You know, they were in the church that there was no expression of praise. You know, uh, that, then sometimes it's hard to learn to do that. But I have to say this. Well, that's like I was saying earlier. When I came to the Lord, I had to decide whether I was going to honor God with my life. If the Word of God said it, then I need to surrender to it. And I'm not, I'm not being insensitive about it. I'm just saying, if this is what the Word of God says, because we use the Word of God to teach us how to do everything else in our lives, why is it that we struggle to use it to teach us how to praise God? There are biblical expressions of praise. And I'm not going to get into that because it's going to take forever. But you can read the Psalms and you can see there are biblical expressions. And again, God is not looking for the expression. He's looking for that to be stirred up in order for that expression to come in from the inside out. So the book of Psalms is the largest book in the Bible, and it's about praise. That should tell you about how much God values our praise. So, um, so and like, like I said, it, uh, authentic praise is something that comes from informed minds that understand and value who God is. And we value this, and, and it also stirs us up in our heart, and we express it. But we're not talking about merely the outside expression. We're talking about the inside that stirs that up. Because in Isaiah 29, 13, says, This people draw near with their mouth and honor me with their lips, while their hearts are far from me. So I'm not saying that it's something just from the outside. It's something stirred up on the inside, and and it's from the inside out. Like I said, authentic praise comes from the heart, that has seen the Lord, that knows the Lord, that is saved by the Lord, and is submitted to the Lord and His Word. When we see His righteousness, His holiness, His mercy, His love, and when we see and look at the the fact that the sinless Son of God bore our sins and took the wrath of God for us and has saved us, 
How can we not offer thanksgiving and praise to God? Like I said, it's an overflow, an overflow of joy, an overflow of thanksgiving, and it is the fruit of lips that confess His name. So we serve an outpouring God. God poured out Himself on creation. And God poured out Himself through His Son, Jesus. And Jesus poured out His life for us. So we respond with pouring out of ourselves in praise. Amen. Amen. We serve an outpouring God. I think of verses like Ephesians 1.8 that says, What kind of love is this that he has lavished on us? Or 1 John 3.1 says, See what kind of love the Father has lavished on us again. And we respond with outpouring ourselves for the Lord. Praise starts in the inner man. Both in the mind and in the heart, but it hardly stays there. It's almost like a geyser when the pressure starts building up and under underneath the surface, for underneath the surface, and it has no other no other way of just releasing but to come and just come gushing out. If that makes sense, this should happen when we're reading scripture. Yes. This should happen when we talk about the Lord with each other. Yes. You know, we are to, to to when we think about the Lord and His greatness. This should stir up spontaneous praise. Just like Mary when she found out that she was carrying the Savior of the world. And she said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Or even Habakkuk when he was having a conversation with God when he didn't understand why things were going the way he was. But he ended up saying, though the fig tree shall not blossom nor nor fruit be on the vine, yet I will rejoice in the Lord and I will take joy in God, my salvation. So there's something about praise that needs to be expressed in action or in words, whether it's declared or sung. And whether it is on Sunday morning with the rest of the congregation, in your car listening to some good music, or family devotional time, or your time of personal prayer, we have many opportunities to be able to to express our, our praise to God. And let's make sure that it's not just lip service, but like I said, something that's stirred up that comes out. Let us check our heart, even on Sunday mornings. Like, are we standing here sometimes just mouthing the lyrics that are, you know? No, let us think about what we're talking about. That's why we sing songs that are flooded with the word of God. Because we're not doing this just to stir up emotions. We want the truth of who God is and recognizing what he's done for you to stir up praise. Amen. The, just the, the, and like I said, there's, are we worshiping God with our minds, with our hearts, and with our bodies? That's right. With all that we are. So praise should be an overflow out of the mouth of a mind that's informed about God's glory, eyes that have seen his glory, and a heart that is touched by his greatness and his love for us. Amen? Amen. So that's what praise is. Alright. It worked. So... It says through him, and it says that the lips, of the, the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name, but what is, is it to continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God? We mentioned Mary's uh, praise of overflowing joy, but then we see other times in the Bible, like in Psalm 42, where it says in verse 3, it says, My tears have been my food day and night. And what, and while they say to me all day long, where is your God? Why are you downcast, O oh my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? And David yet later says, hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation. So when we talk about the sacrifice of praise, we know that sometimes praise is easy when we're happy and things are going great. But there's some times that praise might be the last thing that's on our mind. So praise is not based on our feelings. Again, it is based on the character of God. That's good. That's good. Our feelings always change. Yep. God never changes. Amen. Sometimes it might be easy for us, but sometimes it might be hard for us. So when we praise God during those times, we're sacrificing our own emotions. We're sacrificing our own emotions to be obedient to the command to praise Him. When we see the term praise the Lord in the Psalms, we may not be able to realize it in the English, but in the Hebrew. It's not just him praising the Lord. It's a command for the reader to praise the Lord. 
So when it says praise the Lord, it's a command. It's not just, he's not saying praise the Lord. He's saying praise the Lord. He's praising the Lord, but he's telling you to do the same thing. So we sacrifice our emotions. We sacrifice our own comfort and sometimes even our own character. And this is why I love the Psalms. The, the Psalms are amazing. And we see David and the, all, all the other psalmists battling between this, these two realities. God is good. God loves me. God is for me. And I'm in pain and anguish. He is working out all things for my good, but it doesn't really feel good. And I'm not even sure if I believe that. What does this sound like? Sort of sounds like my life, if you want to describe it, you know? And probably your life too. We live in a broken world. We need to praise God. Yes, we do. God does not need your praise. God does not need anything. You need to praise Him. I need to praise Him. That makes sense? He doesn't do it, you know, and, and uh, doesn't, uh, I, I have this quote, but C.S. Lewis said that when he came to the Lord, one of the, one, in the context of that quote I, I read earlier, that when he came to the Lord, he said, you know, he had a problem with the book of Psalms. He's like, God sounds like a, like a, I forgot what he said, it, but just like a, a woman that's like, just, a vain woman just, just wanting somebody to say something nice about her. You know? And then he realized, no. He realized, and that, that, that's when that quote came in, that it's about the joy that's inside. Like, we should want to praise God. It's not that God needs our praises. You need to praise God. Amen. I need to praise God. Amen. Praise is the ultimate expression of faith. When we are praising God in, in the middle of tough situations, we are humbly coming before God and telling him, God, I trust you. God, I trust you in my life. I believe all that you say you are. It may not feel good, but I know that you love me. I know that you have a plan for me, and I surrender to you, and I trust you. And I'm not talking about faking it till you make it. I'm not talking about, oh, I'm blessed, highly favored, I'm good. You know, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about running to God when you're weak. I'm talking about laying down, face down before the Lord because you know that you cannot make it through this. Even when we struggle to believe Him, run to the Lord and talk to Him. It may be a process for us to be able to let, let out that sacrifice of praise. But don't fake it. You cannot fake anything before the Lord. A lot of times we, we uh, and some people even look at scriptures like this. They're, you know, they, they, they're, you know, if someone says I'm sad, oh, don't, don't, don't declare that. That's not biblical. Read the book of Psalms. David struggled in the middle of his praise. And like I said, it might not be from one day to the next, but continue to run to the Lord. Continue to run to the Lord and to seek him. And when we come and we bring the sacrifice of praise and we continue, as we praise, we remind ourselves of who God is. And not only do we remind ourselves, we remind each other. You know, just a couple of weeks ago, I came in here and there was a, a struggle. You know, I, when the whole situation with the, with the foster child, I was sad on that Sunday morning. And I came in and there was one point where I'm singing these things. And I'm listening to you guys, the few people that are here singing. And that encouraged me because it reminded me that Amen. what we're declaring is true. Amen. As we praise God, it's not only that God receives and is pleasing to him. Yes, it is. Amen. But it reminds us of who God is because Amen. we need to be reminded. And also, I need you to remind me of who God is, just like you need me to remind you of who God is. And that's why corporate praise is such a special time, because we do that. So because of Jesus, again, it is only through Christ that we can find the strength to praise him in the storm. Amen? A.W. Tozer said that the purpose of God in sending his son to die and live and be at the right hand of God the Father, was that he might restore to us the missing jewel, the jewel of worship, that we might come back and learn to do again that which we were created to do in the first place. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. We were created to worship God and to come before him. Our sins separated us, but through Christ, now we can come and bring our sacrifice of praise. Amen. We are to continually offer God a sacrifice of praise through Christ. 
God is eternally praiseworthy. Uh, we praise him because he is powerful, because he is infinitely good. He is loving. He's merciful. Merciful. He's patient. And all that we do is that we come before the Lord and we love him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we also love our neighbor as ourselves. So we are to also, we are to continually offer to God the sacrifices of good deeds through Christ. Verse 16 says, do not, do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. And when we read the word share, the first thing we think about is usually finances. Now, this does include finances, but it's not limited to finances. The word share here is the Greek word koinonia, which is the same word that we use for fellowship. So fellowship is not only talking about sharing like giving, but it's talking about sharing of ourselves. So living for Christ is not just God word. It's also extended toward loving others. And like I said, we have an outpouring God who poured out himself in creation. We have a, a loving Savior that poured out himself for salvation, and we respond, we're pouring ourselves out in praise, but we also respond in pouring ourselves out for one another. Amen. The writer uh, gave some great examples of this in uh, Hebrews 13, um, in, the, in, the, in the same chapter in the beginning, it says, let brotherly love continue. So the love that we have as brothers, you know, basically the, the book of First John says many times, God is love, and you have God, so you should be love also. Verse 2 says, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. And within the context, there were people that were traveling around, some people even hiding from the police because the church was suffering persecution. And they're saying, be hospitable to people. Bring people into your home. Be willing to be able to share and give of yourself. And verse 3 says, remember those who are in prison. Again, people were getting uh, uh, arrested for preaching the gospel. Don't forget about them. People that are in prison, go and, and, and share with them. And also to remember those who are mistreated. So this goes in line with what our, our, our series in, in social justice. People are being mistreated. Let's do something about it. Let's go and let's share of ourselves to help them. James 1, 27 says, Religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the Father, is to visit orphans and widows in their affliction. And basically in, in chapter 2, it says that if your brother needs assistance with clothing or food, give it to them. 1 John 3 says basically that if we, know love, if we know love, we lay down our lives for one another. And if we see a brother in need don't, don't, and don't open our heart to him, then God is not in us. Out. That hurts, right? And Jesus taught the same thing in Matthew 25. He said basically... If you give food to the hungry, if you give drink to the thirsty, and you visit the sick and the prisoner, and you clothe the naked, I'm just kidding, I'm going to say it like that. The, the naked, I, I've always heard people say it like that, and I just want to say it like that. But if you clothe the naked, it's like we are doing it for him. Amen? Amen? Hebrews 10.24 says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. So a way that we respond to God is by doing good works. And it's hard sometimes because there are so many people in need that sometimes we just don't do anything. And, or sometimes we're not sure if people really are in need because we have so many people that take advantage. But I want to encourage us. I'd rather err on the side of giving too much than not giving enough. You know, the truth is, I mean, if, I mean, we use wisdom, but we know that someone's going to use something for, you know, maybe we want to give them food or something. But if we're not sure, man, and pray. Ask the Lord to give you direction. But if we're not sure, let, let, let's not, in other words, let's not use the fact that they don't, we don't know what they're doing with it. Let's not use it as an excuse to not give when God is calling us to give. Amen? So we know that our good deeds are good. We know that our good deeds are good when, number one, they are stirred up by the love of God. So the motive of our actions are determined by what inspires them. The Bible teaches that God is love, and we have God, so we are to show love, especially for one another. Faith and love are essential for true obedience. 
Truly good works can only come from the heart of someone that's been reconciled to God. Because God is doing these things through us. So real good work, works uh, are, are, are God, uh, like I said, loving other people through us. Let's become an extension of who God is. So, so a good work, our, our deeds are good when they are stirred up by the love of God. Also, our deeds are good when they are done for the glory of God. The Bible says to do all things as unto the Lord and, and for the glory of the Lord. A lot of times our motivation is to receive recognition from other people. Like, and I think, I think all of us struggle with this a little bit. Like, we do something, we're like, anybody see that? I just picked up that paper over there. Are the cameras on? You know? We do things that sometimes we're like, you know? Well, let's do it for the glory of God, not for our own glory. Because if we do it for other people to, to look at us and to, and to like us and stuff like that, then we've already received our reward there. But it's not for God's glory. You know, the Bible says, do not let your right hand know when your left hand is doing. Also, uh, if we do it, they are good works if they are in line with the will of God. They have to be in line with the will of God. God would not want us to do something that goes against His word. Right. And even in this time where we, you know, going back to social injustice, we want to be able to, to do this, but there's a lot of pressure to go past what God wants to do other things that are not in line with the word of God. Mm-hmm. So are we going to succumb to the pressure of this world, mm-hmm. or are we going to stand on the word of God? Yeah. You know, both extremes are bad, right? So it has to be in line with the word of God. And Ephesians 2.10 says that we are his workmanship, created in Christ for good works. So God receives pleasure from our sacrifices of praise and good deeds through Christ. Going back to these verses, through him let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have. For such sacrifices are pleasing to God. If we offer sacrifices apart from Christ again, then they have no value. But it should be the desire of a Christian to please God. Like I said, this is our worship to him. It should be an overflow of thanksgiving, an overflow of love that should cause us to surrender our lives, even when it hurts, to give God praise and to give love to others. Colossians 1.10 says, Let us, tells us to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, bearing fruit in every good work. 2 Corinthians 5.9 says uh, that we make it our aim to please God. God says that these types of sacrifices are pleasing to him. And we continuously should live the sacrifice of praise and the sacrifice of good deeds. Our God has created us to glorify him by enjoying him forever. And how do we do that? We do that by living lives, surrendered to him. When he says something and we struggle to accept that, we die to ourselves to live and to do what God wants us to do. And always understanding that it is through Christ. We were saved through Christ, and the most pleasing thing that you can do is to give your life to Him. So, worship itself pleases God. Like I said earlier, Romans 12:1, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. We worship God by dying to ourselves to live for Him. The Old Testament sacrifices, like I said, were were were, were something that was that was uh, that were, when they brought and they gave sacrifice, they gave they brought animals, but it only was accepted by God if it was with, with the right heart. First Samuel uh, fifteen twenty two says, "Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings as sacrifices, as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to listen." than the fat of rams. So the obedience, it comes from the heart. Obedience comes from a heart that's surrendered to God. And again, these actions are from the inside out. A heart that surrenders to God causes us to live for Christ. So what are the results of pleasing God? Is it that we get rich? Is it that we live comfortably? 
Is it that we have no problems? Is it that if I do good, I get good, but if I do bad, I get bad? I mean, there's a principle in the Bible of sowing and reaping, but the reality is, we look at someone like Paul, where he suffered for doing good. And if you don't want to look at Paul, how about Jesus? Come on. The perfect Son of God suffered. So the reality is that God does not promise comfort. God does not promise that everything is going to work out the way that we want it to. But this is when trusting in God comes in. He does promise that everything works out for our good. But the question is, do we understand what good is? We don't always understand that. And that sometimes we may not understand what God does. You know, and I, I, I always go back when it comes to the sacrifice of praise. You know, I share a, a close, uh, and he's more than a friend, you know, uh, his son passed away of SIDS a couple of years ago, and we're just there sad. The, the child passed away out, out of state, so it wasn't there. And he's just walking around with his hoodie on, and out of nowhere, he just screams out. He says, Jesus, you are faithful. I don't know what's going on. I don't understand why it's going on. I don't understand why we're going through this, but I know who you are. And he said, help me walk my family. That is the sacrifice of praise. You may not understand what's going on. We don't like it. We would do it different. (laughs) But knowing who God is. And I'll tell you this. If you do not know who God is, if you do not grow in understanding, and this is where the word of God is important because he reveals himself to us through his word, then you will not be able to lift up a sacrifice of praise. You would not be able to value God enough to die to yourself and your own ideas and the things that you want to do to trust that God is smarter than you. And that God is more good than you are. We could think that we are good, but God is so much more good than us. How dare we think that we're smarter than him? You know? God is good. So what do we receive for, for pleasing God? We receive peace. There is nothing more peaceful than knowing that you're in the middle of God's will for your life. And you know what? As believers, when we are fighting against God's will, we have no peace. We also receive satisfaction in our life. There's nothing more satisfying than living for God. And when we try to satisfy ourselves with other things, we end up being continuing to be thirsty. We have... Also, security. When we're living according to God's will, we know that we are His. And we also have these eternal rewards that the Bible promises. One day we will go before Him and we will receive these rewards. rewards. But it's only through Christ. These rewards might not look like the rewards that society wants to give us, but also thinking about your name in the history books of the kingdom of God. We may not receive glory out here, but we're doing the work of God and God is using us. When we surrender ourselves to him, just imagine. I mean, like I said, we're, we're going to, you know, I'm not saying, I don't know we're going to have books and read stories in heaven, but just think about where your life fits into God's plan. You know, I, I was talking to, to my friend the other day about this subject and he was saying, how about that guy that throws that... Sorry, ladies, let me use a football example. How about that guy, that, that guy that throws that block that allows that running back to score the winning touchdown? You know? And yeah, you know, maybe the Lord wants to elevate us and give us a high platform for something that's great. But not all of us have that. But where's our name in this story? Our motive should be God's glory, always. Amen? So... Just some application points. Number one, read the Psalms. Read the Psalms. And I, and I, I challenge you. Uh, there are many people that aren't, don't even know God that read the Psalms. And all they look for is to find comfort. And they miss out a lot of rich, uh, just understanding of our relationship with God. Read the Psalms. They're filled with songs of praise during tough times. 
The Psalms take what we know about God and sort of brings it down to our heart, into an, an expression, into how we live our lives. Number two, lift up your sacrifice of praise in the corporate gathering. This is a great opportunity for, uh, for us to come every Sunday and whether we meet during the week to come and praise the Lord together. Like I said, you, as you praise God, you remind yourself of who He is. But you also remind me, and I need you to remind me. All right? I don't know about anybody else, but I do. So, um, and like I said, it, it, it you know it, it could be a sacrifice for some, whether it's personality, whether culture, you know, whatever. You know, it, it, could, it could be a sacrifice. And I'm not saying it's going to look the same for everybody, but man, if we're going to use the Word of God to teach us how to live our life, then read the Psalms, and, and if there's a struggle, ask the Lord to help you. Say that you want to praise Him and you want to be obedient. The third one is worship the Lord through your serving. When we serve, it is a sacrifice. We are serving God and we are serving others. And if you're only willing to serve when it's convenient, then you have to be able to take a look whether where, where your heart is in it. That's, just, that's, that's a, a tough challenge there. But it's reality. You know, a lot of times we take, you know, like, uh, we take even our serving in church. We're like, okay, they ask me to serve once a month. Okay, I'll cross that off. Let me see what I can do just so I can get that out. No. Let's serve God and let's serve his people. Let's do it with a willing heart, even when it's inconvenient. If an opportunity comes up, comes up let's live a sacrifice of worship to the Lord. Not just when it's convenient. And I, and I get it, we're all busy, we have families, we have lives. That's the reality. But what greater example can you show your child that you made sacrifices for the kingdom of God. Wow, we make sacrifices for other things. I want my kids to see that I have made sacrifices for the kingdom of God because that's more important sometimes. Amen? Yeah. Also, look for opportunities to serve outside. Look for people that are in need. I mean, it might sound corny, but you see someone needing help with groceries or somebody needs, you know, someone's moving in a couch and they're trying to do it by themselves next door or something. You know, look for opportunities and let's serve others. Why? Because God wants us to. God is calling us to be people that serve. Look for people that, that, that are in need and give of yourself. Also, the last one is to delight in the Lord. Sounds weird. But sometimes we just, like I said, we just go through the life and we're just like, uh, we read things and we're just like, uh, uh. Take time to find joy in the God that has saved us. Take time to find joy and to think about all the great things that he has done. And all the great things that he is doing. And, and even as, as we study the word and we let the word of God dwell in us richly. Let that come out in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. As we lift him up and we declare his greatness to all of us. And like I said earlier, might not be here, but when you are weak, run to the Lord. Don't try to fake it. Don't try to make believe that you're okay. Run to the Lord. And that's all I got for you guys today. Amen. So I'm going to ask uh, Keith to come up and ask the first step.